You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. It's good to be back with you guys on the podcast, and you know what time it is. It's time to fast, bro. Come on. You know what it is. It's time to fast. It's not time to rate that Oreo right now because it is 21 days of prayer and fasting at the time of this recording, and this is a great time of the year. Um for spiritual growth and to set aside the first part of your year to the Lord. Uh, your flesh does not like it at all, but um, it, it's uh, ultimately good and it will draw you closer to God. But um, being that it's 21 days of fasting, I felt to get on here and just encourage uh, everybody about what, fa- what fasting produces. So the exact title of my podcast is, What Does Fasting Produce? I have six things of what fasting produces. I'm going to do three this week and three next week, or maybe two this week and four next week. We'll just see how much time I have. I do have to get off a little bit early, uh, earlier uh, than normal today because I, I'm heading to a student's uh, basketball game. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what fasting produces. See, many times I, I feel as though we can sometimes forget that fasting is not just starving yourself before the Lord. It, fasting is choosing to shut your mouth or to cover your mouth. That's literally, I don't know why I just actually covered my mouth in front of you guys, but it's the covering of the mouth. That's what it is. And, and this is why if you actually study the word fasting, that's what it means. It means to cover the mouth or to keep the mouth shut. And so it means not eating. And so if fasting means to keep the mouth shut or to cover the mouth, then I, th- I think it's kind of interesting when people try to do diets that are such as the Daniel's fast that they call fasting. When in reality, that's not actually doing what the Bible calls a fast. Many people will say, well, you know, I'm going to do the Daniel's fast for, you know, the first part of my year and stuff. And while, you know, that might be nice or whatever and good for your health or something like that, that's not what the Bible calls a fast uh, because you can eat like a slob on the Daniel's fast. I I heard a story about a guy, he was at Bible college and he said he was on the Daniel's fast to start his year. And uh, he was walking around campus and he was holding a monster, like huge family sized bag of Tostino's, uh, you know, tortilla chips and holding a, a tired jug of Arizona iced tea. And I guess somehow, some way, those were on the Daniels fast as well. It might have been like a specialty type of Daniel uh, or Arizona tea that was on the fast or whatever. I don't know how it was, but apparently it was. He was like, yeah, I'm on the Daniels fast. That right there is not the point of fasting, to stuff your face with with just different food. That's ultimately what the Daniel's fast is, is to eat just different food. And yeah, it's healthier. Yeah, it's a nice diet. Yeah, it's something that you can do if you'd like to, you know, uh, eat a little healthier for a little while or something. But that is not what the Bible calls fasting. Fasting is literally abstaining from food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. I know many people will contend, well, wasn't Daniel fasting in Daniel 10? 
If you look back at that text, there's nowhere that the Bible uses the word fasting in that text. And furthermore, it says that he was in mourning and he did not eat the ceremonial foods, or he did not eat certain enriched foods uh, during that time. Those enriched foods were celebratory foods that if someone was in mourning, that they would not be eating. And so he was setting uh, he was setting aside a time away from eating these celebratory foods. That's what he was doing. Yes, he was seeking God. Yes, all of those things. But I don't I don't believe that Daniel ten is a fast because fasting is closing your mouth. It is keeping the mouth shut. That's what it is. And so uh, that's what fasting is. And so if you're doing a fast right now, and it's, you know, something like the Daniel's fast, um, I encourage you to consider doing something else, doing one meal every single day, doing 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., or doing something more aggressive than that. Uh, However, if you're under the age of 18, I believe it is best for you to just do one meal because you're still growing. Just to do one meal because you're still growing. And if you're over the age of 70, I've heard this said before by um, Bishop David Oyadepo. He says if you're over the age of seven or 70, that at that point that uh, you can be done fasting at that point in your life uh, because um, you've, you've disciplined your flesh enough at that point. Uh, when, when you're 70. So I've heard them say that before, uh, but that doesn't mean you have to stop when you're 70. It's just something that uh, Bishop Boyadepo says. But anyway, uh, fasting, uh, you know, you could fast a meal, you could fast 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., or you could fast, um, uh, you could fast multiple days at a time, uh, depending on, you know, how, how you just want to do it. But whatever it is, it's a sacrifice unto the Lord. I know a student that's in high school right now. Um, he's one of my interns and I was talking with him and he said he heard somebody say that fasting breakfast wasn't really a sacrifice. It wasn't me who said it. It was somebody else. And he said, uh, the thing is for me, it really is a sacrifice. I eat like a lot of breakfast in the morning. Like I really like to eat my breakfast and my stomach, like, you know, I'm starving by the time I get to lunch and I'm taking that time where I would normally eat breakfast to pray. And so for that young man, that is a hundred percent a genuine fast before the Lord. Um, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That is a genuine fast before the Lord. I'll tell you what, um, at some point during this fast, I'm going to start doing 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I like breakfast. I like coffee. I like all that stuff. But guess what? For those days that I'm doing 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., I'm not drinking coffee and I'm not eating breakfast, even though I love to eat eat that because I'm taking a time to crucify my flesh. I'm taking a time to fast before the Lord. And so anyway, I didn't mean to start talking about what what fasting is, but I just felt to say it. Because it's important to know what fasting really is. It's not just some type of uh, diet or a time where you just stop eating uh, for a little while. It's about seeking the Lord instead of eating. It's about closing your mouth, humbling yourself before God and relying fully upon him uh, instead of uh, relying on any food that, that can give you strength or give you anything else. You rely fully on the Lord. But anyway, what does fasting produce? Number one. Fasting produces divine answers and access. Fasting produces divine answers and access. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. While I'm turning there right now, 
um, I want to let you guys know that um, that we're going to be having prayer and fasting, uh, prayer uh, every single day of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I think that we're we're three days in, so there's there's 17 more days left in the uh, in prayer. So we have that Monday through Friday at 6 p.m., and then we have that Saturday at 11 a.m., and then Sunday immediately following the 11 a.m. service. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I, I uh, was just flipping around, and I totally forgot where Nehemiah was for a second. Hold on one second. Okay, I think I got it. I was doing like the song in my head. Okay, maybe I don't have it. I might be going in the opposite direction. I was literally just here a little bit ago. I I blame this on the fasting. Just a, a, a brain, a brain malfunction is what's taking place right now. Where, uh, where is, where in the heck is Nehemiah located in between? What is going on right now? I don't know if this has ever happened before. Yeah, I know there, I know there is. I'm just like, I was just looking to looking to Google it. This is crazy. This is crazy. So what's it called? Some of my, some of my youth leaders are probably watching right now, just like laughing. Right, Ezra, Nehemiah. Why was I looking in that direction? Sorry, I get very, I, what's it called? I, I get very upset about that type of stuff. It's just like a waste of time. Like I need to get there. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter one. There we go. We're in Nehemiah. Praise the Lord. Can somebody praise the Lord for the book of Nehemiah? Praise the Lord. Apparently I need to turn here more often. My goodness. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter one. After a five-minute delay. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So this is some bad news that Nehemiah is getting about where he grew up, about his home place that he grew up in the province of Judah. And so that, that's, this is what he's getting. He's hearing that, you know, their walls were burned down, all this type of stuff. And, and he's sad about it. And this is what Nehemiah says. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So I actually talked about this a little bit. Um, and actually, I might bring this up in my sermon next week. But I talked about pressing on in my sermon last week, that when things get difficult, 
in life or try to come against you and make you stop believing God for something that you press on. And one of the ways you press on is by pressing into God. And if you heard that sermon, this will make a lot of sense to you. But Nehemiah, he pressed in in this moment. He pressed on by pressing in to God. He made a decision when he got bad news come to his attention. He decided that he was going to pray and fast before the Lord. And so he prayed and he fasted before the Lord. But how does fasting give us divine answers and access? Well, Nehemiah was the Lord's or was the king's cupbearer. But if you go to Nehemiah chapter two, here's what happens after he prays and fasts. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king's wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? How can I help you? What happened here? Nehemiah fasted and he prayed and God granted him divine access with the king. God granted divine access. Yes, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. Yes, he brought uh, his cup before him every day. But this is a rare situation that that rarely should have happened. He said, I never appeared sad in the king's presence before. God gave him divine access in that moment to the king. And the king, he, the king gave him divine attention to his situation. Something that I'm believing God for on this fast is divine access to schools in this area to schools in this area so that we can go and reach more students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm believing in 2024 for divine access in schools. And this is divine access right here where he is right before the king and the king gives him divine attention as a result. So that's the divine access part, but watch this. Here's the divine answers. He says, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. How about that? Like, I, I hope that you understand that this story is the favor of God. This guy, Nehemiah, was the king's cupbearer. What the cupbearer would do is the cupbearer would drink the, the, um, the uh, drink that the king was getting. It was usually wine. And he'd take a sip of it to make sure that it was not poisoned. And if the cupbearer dropped dead, then obviously the king would know that the drink was poisoned. And so this was a big job right here that he was doing. He was preserving the king's life. But what happened is that he prayed and he fasted and God gave him divine favor, divine access, and a divine answer in his situation. You know, you know why fasting gives you divine answers like that, divine favor from the Lord like that? Here's why. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, we praise God that I was able to find Chronicles significantly faster than I was able to find Nehemiah. Second Chronicles chapter 
uh, 7, verse 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. What, how does God hear from heaven? When we humble ourselves and pray. What, I don't know if there's a more humbling thing than fasting where you literally decide that you are going to be fully reliant upon uh, the Lord during that time. You're going to be relying on the Lord even more so than the number one thing that your body wants, which is food. You say, okay, I'm not going to rely on food uh, anymore. You know, I heard my friend Evangelist Wesley Augray say this. Isn't it funny that the thing that led humanity into sin is the very thing that God says, do not eat or do not do. God, humanity sinned by eating food. And so God said, do not eat. It's, it's just an interesting parallel that, that we have with fasting. But what I'm trying to get at is that this scripture says, when we humble ourselves and pray, that God will hear from heaven. When you fast, you are humbling yourself before God and God hears from heaven and you'll be granted divine favor, divine access, divine answers in your life, just like Nehemiah. The next thing is, do I want to skip? I'm going to skip to my five and six and then I'm going to do my Isaiah 58 ones next for part two. I didn't need to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that anyway. Anyway, Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Basically, I'll, I'll set the context for you. The disciples were unable to cast out a demon. That, and Jesus came in and he cast out the demon. And so here's what the disciples say in Mark 9, uh, 38. Jesus said, to, uh, or John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone, wait, am I in the right, am I in the right text? Oh, I'm reading verse 38. Man, I'm all over the place. They can't find Nehemiah. I can't get the right text of, uh, of, uh, of scripture. Here we go. There we go. Verse 28. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can come, uh, be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Now, many people will say, well, Pastor Joey, my Bible just says prayer. It doesn't say prayer and fasting. Where do you get fasting from? Well, some Bible translations have the phrase in fasting and some do not. But I believe the proper translation is and fasting. And here's why I believe that's the proper interpretation of that text. I believe that the proper interpretation of that text uh, is prayer and fasting because the disciples certainly would have known how to pray and would have, or, and would have prayed uh, in, in this context. They would have prayed, and, uh, but they would not have fasted. They would not have fasted. So uh, I, I believe that the proper uh, understanding of that is prayer and fasting. And so what my next point is after divine access and answers uh, is increased power. 
Fasting will give you an increased power in your life or will give you more, um, uh, more speedily miracle signs and wonders following you. There's a greater authority that takes place when we pray and when we fast before the Lord. And I believe that a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are posturing ourselves in humility before the Lord and we are building up our spirit so that we can stand stronger uh, against, against the works of the devil and we can stand in more faith and more confidence. You know, the Bible talks about faith in association to healing and faith in association to things. And what happens when we fast is our faith often increases because we're spending more time in the presence of God and away from things that might distract us like food. And so fasting, what will happen is there'll be increased power in your life. And, I, and that, that often comes by increased faith in your life. The last thing that I'm going to talk about today, and I know this is a lot shorter than my other podcast, but um, I, I really want to go to one of my students' basketball games today. Uh, I think that one of the most important things as a youth pastor that you can do is be involved in the lives of the students that you pastor. Uh, you know, some some students, um, you know, a, a lot of students don't have great home situations. Uh, some of them don't have moms at home. Some of them don't have dads at home. And you may be the closest thing to a father to them, or if you know you're you're uh, a female, you might be the closest thing to a mother that they have in their life. And so, being involved in their life is so important. If you're a youth leader and you're watching this, whether at my youth ministry or um, at another youth ministry, always remember that that there are students that have some tough home situations that they may look to you as a parental figure in their life because they're lacking that. But anyway. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18, my last thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. This is uh, Jesus says, I'm going to start in verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. That's something that is to me, uh, a very important thing that we have to remember. I shouldn't even say to me, the Bible says it and Jesus says it. When you're fasting, you shouldn't try to make sure that everybody knows that you're fasting by the way that you appear. Now, with a 21-day corporate fast, it's obvious that you're fasting because you've announced the fast to everybody and everybody knows that's a corporate fast as is in Second Chronicles chapter 20 um, where everybody just knows that you're fasting. But when you're doing a fast, you you shouldn't, you shouldn't even like be letting everybody know exactly what you, you know, and letting everybody know, you know, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you know, seeking God, you know, for this many hours every day, look at how spiritual I am. There shouldn't be an arrogance about ourselves, but in times of not corporate fasting, times of personal fasting, you shouldn't be letting everybody know that you're fasting. It shouldn't be a thing where it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, that food looks really good looks really good. And they're like, oh, do you, do you want a bite? No, I can't because I'm fasting before the Lord. It's like, don't be like that guy, man. Nobody likes that. It's just like, or, or like that person, like I, I heard a story. Um, my uncle always used to tell it. There was this guy he used to work with and he said that the, like one of the first things he would say to people when he met them is he would say, hi, my name, I think it was Brett. He'd say, hi, my name is Brett. And I can't smell. Oh, thanks, Brett. 
for introducing yourself with, I can't smell. You know, Dan Orlovsky can smell. He can, he could definitely smell. Uh, anyway, that was a joke between me and Ben that none of you are going to understand probably at all. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah, he said he can't, he said he, can't, he you know, I can't smell. And it was just like, okay, like, thanks for letting everybody know that. And he would take every opportunity to walk up to people. If like, there was like a smell in the air that he'd be, he'd be like, what does that smell like? You know, because I can't smell. And he'd be like, you know, I can, I can detect chemicals, but you know, does it smell like chemicals? Because you know, I can't smell. And my uncle will look at him and be like, well, can you detect it? And he would say, no. He'd be like, well, then I guess it doesn't smell like chemicals then, does it? Like he was just such an annoying guy, constantly letting everybody know that he could not smell. In the same way, in the same way, when you're that person that's just constantly letting everybody know that you're fasting, not only are you just annoying and nobody wants to hear it from you anymore, but this is what the Bible says about it. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. In other words, present yourself as normal, as if everything is just the same as any other day. Don't try to make everybody know. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. The Bible says if you try to let everybody know that you're going to fast or that you're fasting, that's all the reward that you'll see is man's praise. But when you fast and you seek God diligently and you fast and you do it in the secret place, the Bible says that God will reward us. God will reward us. There will be a reward for you from our heavenly father when you seek the Lord in fasting. That's what the Bible says. If you fast in humility before the Lord, even if it is a corporate fast, don't be the type of person that's just, you know, bragging about how great you're doing. Yeah, you know, I've just been fasting and, you know, I've just been doing such a great job, man. Don't be arrogant and prideful because that's all the reward that you'll receive is people thinking highly of you. Fasting should be done in humility. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let's see if I could find Hebrews today. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God rewards those who sincerely seek him. When you're fasting, you're sincerely seeking God. So you also must believe that if you're sincerely seeking God, that just as the Bible says, that he is a rewarder, of those who diligently seek him. There will be a reward for you for fasting. There will be a reward for you for fasting. You know what I find funny? I'm going to go on a rant for a second. I don't know how long this is going to last. Probably like five minutes or something like that. You know what's what's sad? Is you you see people that are like in the ministry. And and I'm going to say this. I think you should start the first part of your year in fasting. I think you should, especially if you're a minister. But even as a Christian, I think that every Christian should start their year in some type of dedication to the Lord in fasting. And the reason why I believe that is, and I've said this a number of times lately, that God is, God is a God of first. He, he likes the first of everything. He likes the first 
He likes our first fruits. He likes our tithes and our offerings. He wants the 10% of that. God wants the first of everything. God doesn't want to be an afterthought in your life. And so what better way to start your year by giving God the first of your year? And so I believe that, that you should start with the first of your year. And I know people that mock the 21-day fast. They mock it. They make fun of it. And they post all their food on social media and be like, hashtag not fasting. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you are so concerned with everybody else fasting so much that you need to post hashtag not fasting on your social media or post your big burger on social media to let everybody know you're not fasting. Now, obviously, people in the world have no concept of this, and there are Christians that have no concept of fasting. Um, I know many Christians that, that fasting is a completely lost like thing to them. They have no idea what it even is, uh, which I don't know why. That's, that's probably their pastor's fault and partially theirs for not reading the Bible. But... Every Christian should know about fasting. Uh, you know, I, I see these people that, you know, should know better, just heffing down a massive, you know, double stack burger and, you know, uh, an ounce and, you know, this big bag of fries during uh, the beginning of the year. And, you know, I'm not trying to come off across as judgmental. Yeah, that's between them and the Lord and all that type of stuff. But, Fasting is a thing that when you distinguish yourself from everybody else that is not fasting, that is not seeking the Lord with the first part of their year in that extra way, God will reward you differently than everybody else. It's true. Well, Pastor Joey, God's no respecter of persons. Yeah, he's not. What, you, what, what he does for you, he'll do for somebody else according to how you, uh, what you do, according to what you do. According to your work, God is going to bless us in heaven. In heaven, good luck with that line. Well, God, I thought you said you're not a respecter of persons because the Bible makes it pretty clear that some people are going to get greater rewards than others when they get to heaven because God is going to reward us according to the work that we do. That's how God works. Imagine working at a company and you bust your butt all the time and work really hard and somebody on staff barely gets there on time and leaves, you know, an hour early every single day and then come the raise time, the, the boss decides he's giving both of you an equal raise. How would you feel about that? Would you like that? I, I certainly wouldn't. That's not, God is not an unjust God. God will pay every person according to their due, according to what they have done. And so when you decide to go extra all in for God, to start your year in prayer and fasting, you will have a significantly greater reward than those that choose not to pray and fast. I'm not trying to bash or slam those that don't fast, but I am saying God will reward you more than them. And that's not a prideful thing. That's a Bible thing. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, what if somebody doesn't pray and fast, but they still, or doesn't fast and they still pray and they're seeking God? God will reward them too, but not to the same degree as somebody that takes the extra time to reward. Let me ask you a question. Who are you if you have an opportunity as a boss someday, you're leading, you know, a business and you have that guy that is constantly burning the midnight oil, what that means is working long days and long hours, and you have some guy that they roll their eyes at you if they, you even suggest that they might have to stay for five extra minutes at work, and it comes raise time, and you can only raise, or and you can uh, raise both their salaries, which one are you going to raise? You're going to raise the one that uh, that stayed long hours and was willing to work extra hard. Maybe you have another guy on staff that he works hard too, but not nearly as hard as the other guy. You're going to reward him differently than you're going to reward the guy that's working super hard. There is a greater reward when you press in and you fast and pray. 
So that's what I have for you guys today, the three things that fasting produces and this teaching of what is fasting produced, part one. One, divine answers and access. Two, increase power. Three, God will reward us. So that's what fasting produces. I hope that you guys enjoyed this teaching and I hope that you can join us if you're in the area um, and you're a part of this youth ministry and you're joining us for this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I hope you can join us for one of our times of prayer. We have prayer at six o'clock, right? Six o'clock, yeah, I'm gonna have to jet out of here. God bless you guys. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless. God bless.